Welcome to the Charity Network News Podcast, inspiring you to make the world a better place. Our host is Lex Lumiere, an award-winning therapeutic artist whose family legacy includes over a hundred years of art exhibits and providing artwork for international non-profit fundraisers. In our show, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from philanthropy leaders or creative souls, as well as news and insights to help you make a positive impact in your community. Now let's jump into your daily dose of juice. Please join us in creating excellence. Hello, my name is Lex Lumiere. I'm with the United States Department of Arts and Culture. For the People's State of the Union 2021 Poetic Address to the Nation, today's guest is a professional engineer, and I'm going to let him introduce himself to you today. Hello, my name is Fahad Sindi. I'm a mechanical engineer. Uh, I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia to a Saudi uh, mother and a Pakistani father. And I moved here in the United States when I was 18 years old. And I got my mechanical engineering degree from UT Tyler. And I work as a mechanical engineer now in Houston, Texas. So did you always have like a love for like math and science when you were young? Uh, yeah, definitely. I um, I grew up loving math uh, and science, and then um, I came here and I wanted to do uh, in, uh, my degree in math, but then I shifted into engineering. But my original love was for math and then engineering. So when you were when you were back overseas, you were probably very good at like as a student. You were doing pretty well, mm-hmm. I assume. <laughs> you know, did you? When you were thinking about going to college and and like exploring, what made you set your eyes on the United States? Like, was there a certain school that was offering you a new opportunity, or did you look at different places and you were trying to? No, I actually like didn't think about it that much. So I finished before I finished high school. I had a brother who's one year older than me. So when he finished high school and he went to university in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the first year was all in English, so it was very, very hard for him to like stay in the university and continue his education. I decided to go learn English and come back to, to the university. So when he was looking at places to learn English, it was like UK or United States. Then my dad told him that we act like he has cousins or like people he knows that they live here in, in Houston. My brother started uh, looking at schools in Houston, and then he found Rice University. So he applied for the English program here at uh, Rice University, and he came here. And then before I graduated, he you know, called me and he said, before you go to the university, come here and learn English. And that's what I did. So that's why I came to the state and supposed to learn English. So I came and, and I learned English and I went back and stayed there for a year in Saudi Arabia, but then I did an engineering program there, so I came back here. Is your brother, what did your brother do? What did he go to school for? Uh, My brother uh, learned English here, and when he went back to Saudi Arabia, he went for IT. Okay. Yeah. So you all have a little bit of gift for science and math. Ah, yes. That is not my best subject, by the way. 
it's funny because I have a lot of friends who are engineers and it's it's like and I think that's because like opposites attract mm-hmm. you know like I'm the artsy person the artsy yeah. English person who likes art and English and you're like the math and science person who gets it I did love science as a kid I and I it. love art too but I can't do it <laughs> or writing or English I, I love these topics but I, I can't do it but you don't want me doing mechanical engineering yeah I guess. you know because that might be a little dangerous yeah <laughs> But I do find it fascinating. So do you do mechanical engineering for oil and gas? Uh, yes, at the moment, yes. I work for an oil and gas service company. Um, reliability engineer. So just like making sure that uh, everything runs smoothly and nicely and nothing explodes and people go home safely. <laughs> right, nothing explodes. I, I was watching, um, I pulled up the explosion that happened in Texas City just by accident. Because they have, I guess the government does like a simulation, a 3D simulation of all these different explosions that happen in all these different plants. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I was like, this is so interesting. I mean, they didn't go into the science and math of it, but they go into the procedure of what happened to cause that kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely fascinating to me. I said, oh, wow. You yeah, know? sometimes it doesn't need to be an explosion. You know, sometimes it's just a release, like, as like a, that can kill you and in a minute or two, it's it's a very dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it depends on like you know what are you know most people think about explosions, but you know releases can be like a bit risky. I have to find it for you on the Texas City one. There was a divide, and I don't know when the plant was built. It was probably built back in the forties and fifties. But there was a, a a measurement tool that it malfunctioned and so there was a certain chemical that was only supposed to go never above three feet Mm -hmm. and it went all the way up like 39 something feet yeah and it was really i was like wow but you know when stuff is made it's kind of like an old freeway in my opinion you you have an old freeway and and how old is that freeway how long has that bridge been there you know does it it needs maintenance your whole life has to have maintenance you know your body has maintenance your car your house everything Seems like it shouldn't be called high school. It should just be called maintenance. Yeah, I um, there are lots of refineries around the world, and I worked with like very, very old refineries, and they just sometimes it's it's hard to like just ignore them and they'll go and build new ones. You you just gotta work with what you have. Right, so and improve on ability. it. Yeah, just like make make improvements. And stuff. Mm-hmm, that's fascinating. So talk to me about like when you were a kid. So tell me what inspired you to okay. So let's talk about the math side first. So what was your like favorite subject in math? What did you really like about math? Uh, I would say algebra. Algebra. Is algebra. My, yeah, it's, it's my favorite. I mean, there is like calculus and trig and, um, but I think for me, algebra was like, it's like a game, you know, it's this equal this, you, you get to solve these equations mm-hmm. and it was always like a game. So I would say algebra is like my, my love for math. I bet you could guess mine. What, what math do you think that I liked? Uh, trig. No, I like geometry because oh, it was yeah. shapes. <laughs> it was true. like art. I was like, oh, this is art that's equal. Kind of. Not yeah. always, but I did very well in geometry. Trig- trig- trigonometry, no. Yeah, it was I, not. It was, gr- it was brutal. <laughs> I like, even calculus for me was brutal. I was like, oh, get me out of this class. Yeah, calculus is difficult to speak. It was like statistics. Statistics is... Um... <laughs> 
it wasn't like trig and calculus, but to me, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, it, it is hard. It can be like very, very difficult. It depends mm-hmm. on which level you're taking statistics. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. So, um, but we were lucky because we got to do team classes. So we got to rely on the person with the super brains oh, yeah. for that subject. And then they could rely on us for another subject. So it helped. Yes. Um, and so what about in science? What did you love in science? Uh, in science, probably. So I, I was really bad at it. It's chemistry. I'm very, very, very bad at it. Like I'm not very smart about like the Latin roots mm-hmm. stuff. Like you know, it comes <laughs> with the chemistry. But I love the the reactions, and I was never successful do- balancing the equation. It's like one of the simplest thing you can do in, mm-hmm. in a chemistry class. But I, I really suck at chemistry. But I just love looking at, at it and like what it does. The, the experiment. But like the the beakers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it always looks cool, like the mad scientist. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty cool, but I, I mm-hmm. but I think for science in general, it's like I I stayed like really really focused with math. It's like you know physics is it helps you because I got my engineering degree and you need lots of physics. Chemistry is nice, biology is nice, but the, the one that I really focused on the majority is. Did you have to draw in mechanical engineering? Like in any of your classes, do you have to draw? Uh, yeah, yeah. So you have to do models? Uh, like 3D, you mean like 3D? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah so it's kind of like art in a way. Uh, <laughs> Different kind uh, of art. I had to draw screws and branches and like, you know, weird shape looking. That's like, art. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I, I wouldn't consider uh, this what's within this apartment. It's, I consider uh, yeah. That, 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 well, it's a type of art. It's structural to me. It's it's structural. Mechanical engineering is like architecture yeah. because you can't have sculptures. And I'll give you an example: Burning Man. Yeah. So they do the big Burning Man festival in the desert, you know, um, in Vegas. And I was asked like four months before Burning Man to do a metal sculpture. I am not a mechanical engineer. Mm-hmm. I am not a structural engineer. And I was like, they called me and I said, guys, you understand that you have to do this at the mini burns first. And you, I need a professional. Like I can sketch it out mm-hmm. and I can give you the concept. I need somebody to build it. I need an engineer. And then I need the person to put it together. I said, and they have to put it up at a mini burn is what they call the small ones that they do in the different States before they do the big burn yeah. in Vegas every year that everybody hears about. Right. And I said, because they have to put it up and then they have to tear it back down and then put it back up again to make sure that it works so that no one gets injured because they wanted a, a live sculpture piece. They wanted something that people could get on and like, oh. you know, like, Statue of Liberty, maybe not that big, but you know, that kind of like where you know people <laughs> run up the stairs and it doesn't collapse, oh, yeah. or the torch doesn't fall. Um, and I was like, mm, no, I have to have more time than that because I called one of my engineer friends and I was like, hey, how long is this going to take? And he was like, we need like a year so we can like plan that and play with it and see how it goes. Cause I had never really done the mini burns, I had never done any of it. So to me, like what you do is important, it's important. You know, not just from a mathematical concept, but from a safety concept, because we wouldn't be able to have our cars and function, do the different things that we do. You know, you just get in your car and put gas in it. You do not think about all the things that occur for petroleum and gasoline to become what it is. And that takes mechanical engineering for all the processes and equipment. And it's it's a lot. Yeah, there are lots of like stuff that uh, we get involved in. It just uh, it just like. Probably it's a word that most people don't see. They, like you said, they get in the car. They just care about like 
BMW or the Ferrari. They just like the design of it, the concept of it. But there is a lot of engineering that went through. Them. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a hidden one. Right, and they don't think about the fluids that go through mechanical engineering yeah. that are in your car. That's the <laughs> yeah. you know to make those chemicals, it, it requires it's, a lot. It's a very important field, but it can it can get for it. So, what's your favorite part about what you do? Because uh, I know you are up. Because uh, you do business with people in different parts of the world, but like, what do you love about it? Like, what's your uh, to be honest with you, 100%, I'm not the biggest fan of of engineering. Really? Yeah. I um, I do it because I'm good at it. Okay. That's that's what I know. I I, I went to school for it. I, I do it very well. But there is there is not that much love or passion about it. I do it just because I'm good. At it. How many years have you done it now? Uh, three years. Okay. Three years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but do you still like the math part of it? I I, st- I I I don't get challenged in the math, but there is not really that much math in it. It's just like okay. some kind of procedures. You follow procedures. You follow some guidelines, and well, maybe I'll give you a sculpture project. Yeah, well, for me, it's like I I, I grew up liking that math, but it's like mm-hmm. when, when you go into the workforce, you get hit with a different type of like um, culture right. and like. Uh, it's a, it's a different path than what you think. You go in the workforce and you start working in the workforce. It's, it's different. You have to follow specific guidelines and specific procedures. It's not something that you like, oh, I'm going to play with math all day long. It, it doesn't work that way. Right. It's the same way with art, different between commercial art and you get to go, you yes. know, paint at the local studio. It's our fine art. It's completely different worlds or graffiti art. It's, it's completely different worlds between street art and commercial fine art. Except for Banksy. Banksy's kind of made art, but he's also not just one person. He's a team. Yeah. You know, so what did you think about like when you were integrated, like kind of dropped into American culture? Like you're a student at Rice first, right? Mm-hmm. How was that for you? Like I loved it. I loved my time at Death Rice. It was like one of the best time I I I got to make lots of friends there. And I when I first came, it's like what I wanted to do is like to do it totally different. So when I came I decided like not to know lots of Arabic people just because I wanted to learn English. So if I spend time with my Arabic friends, I would not learn English. So mm. I, I decided to like go out of my way and start to make friends with the other foreign students there so we can help like learn English and start to be friends with the teachers as well and start to go out with them and I start to do more activities and like at some point like I got famous at Rice University so people would come up to me like you know take my number because I like start taking the students out every Friday to go mm. dance at Wild West. Oh, you were the fun one. You were the yeah, fun was, student. Yeah, yeah, we love you. I was doing lots of activities just because I really wanted to not just learn the language, also to learn the culture. And, yeah. And that really, really helped me actually like coming back because after learning English, I went back to Saudi Arabia and I came back again to finish my education. And it really helped me coming back again because I it was easier for me to come back. I really have friends and like I, I know the city and established some relationships. Oh, that's very cool. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you think that the government's response to COVID-19 
was for you here in the United States? Hmm. To be honest with you, I did not do lots of interaction about like the COVID-19. Did you quarantine? Uh, yes, I, I like immediately like when things were happening, like uh, I was one of the first teams to like actually be working from home because we had a smaller team at, at work. So our team was like privileged enough, like yeah, we can just like go home and work. And we were working from home and it just since like, I think it was like in March 2019. And since that day, like I just like quarantined and stayed at home and like I didn't interact with lots of people just like or government or I didn't need anything. It just like, you know, went got my groceries, my water as usual, got my mask and just stayed home. I didn't have to deal with anything. And then the only time that I had to do something for COVID, it's like when I was traveling back to Saudi Arabia and I just had to do a test. Mm. And that was my experience with COVID. Like, um, I didn't get sick or I, I didn't have to do anything. I just like stayed home. But I think um, it's good that people got to be quarantined until like people figure out what's going on, what's wrong around the world. So I think it was a good period of time that people actually stayed home. And then after that, uh, whenever they start opening, I think it's good because staying at home for a very long time, it really affected lots of people, like not just, uh, they affected them mentally, and health-wise and also like financially that lots of people who lost jobs lots of people who lost businesses or restaurants it just like really impacted lots of people just uh, staying at home orders but it was good at that time that short small short period and into like the whole world regroup trying to figure out what's going on what's happening do some research and then after that whenever they opened i, I went to it did you have to get the vaccine to travel uh no i just needed to show them uh, that i didn't have uh, covid 19 and that was in 2019. uh, uh 2000 uh, i'm sorry 2020 uh, traveling to saudi arabia but um maybe i don't know maybe in the future it might require us to be vaccinated how did it affect your family uh back home my mom my mom got super sick mm. my mom got like really really sick and she went to the hospital and but uh, they, they took care of her in the hospital in Saudi Arabia, but she lacked oxygen. Uh, I thought that I'm going to lose her, but uh, thank God, like, she survived. So, yes, it, it impacted. Yes, now I think about it. Yes, it impacted me, back in my family. I almost lost my mama for that. So. Well, yeah, you're tra I mean, you're traveling at the height because I traveled. I, I didn't go far like you. I went to San Francisco back in, um, I think, October, November. Mm -hmm. um, but I can only imagine, like, you're flying. How long is the flight? Um, so from here to Europe, it's, like, maybe 15, 16 hours. And then a layover between, like, 5 to 8 hours. And then another 5, 6 hours. I would say, like, total around, like, 10. That's a long time to be on a plane. Were you, were you concerned about, like, the air quality or anything when you're on the plane? Or did you, like, I'm going home. I want to go home. I get to see everybody. To be honest with you, I just... I didn't think about it that much. I just like put my mask, took my sleeping, took my sleeping, and just went to sleep. I, mm -hmm. I, I try not to think about these things that much. It's just like it impacts like how you you see things and how you think about things. It's like if 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 I have that in my head, if I have like oh I'm gonna get sick, I feel like I'm gonna get sick. So right, I right. I try not to think about stuff like it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Like I'm wearing my mask. I'm staying away. I'm doing my butt. If mm -hmm. it's going to happen to me, it's going to happen to me. It's happening to me. 
Did you take any special vitamins or anything before you left? Was there anything? No, not really. I'm a mm. very minimal person. I can't write. <laughs> I smoke my Marlboro red cigarettes. I drink my Coca Cola and I eat my fried chicken. So I'm not very healthy, but um, I, I try to follow the guidance. Gotta feed that super brain. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how many siblings do you have back home? I have five boys. Five brothers. Yeah. Man, I wish I had a brother. I never got a brother. I got all. I got five sisters. Oh wow! And 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 no brother. And I would you know trade one of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved growing up with my five brothers. And how did it? How did COVID affect them? And the, just the community that you were that they were around uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, I can't really tell that much because I didn't. I wasn't there in the peak of it. But my brothers, they would like. He was telling me that they had to like quarantine at home and it's like not wasn't like us here in Houston Houston mm -hmm. yes we were kind of quarantined at home but then we can go out whenever we want to we want something but back home like they needed to have permission like through through an app with the police like if you were going out you have to oh there's an app yeah. that's interesting and there was a curfew like specific times of the day where you can go out and get your stuff and home and if you go out you'll get a ticket wow yeah. and it's not was it expensive uh, it's a thousand reals, so it's like around two hundred dollars, hundred something. Wow! Yeah, but it wasn't just in Saudi Arabia; lots of countries too were doing it. Mm -hmm. But it, in Houston, we didn't have that, which which uh, I'm glad. Yeah, no kidding. That's yeah. so interesting. So, how do you stay connected to your family across distance, like? Uh, social media, like uh, calling apps, like you know, FaceTime, Snapchat, just. You know, trying to keep up. With, trying to see them. Yeah, you know, my mom tried to call me every uh, every day or every other day. My mom calls me, and you know, I talk to her like for five minutes, just making sure that she's okay. And every once in a while, I call my brother, who's one year older than me, or like for my friends, just to keep up with mm -hmm. them over the phone calls. And if, if I'm not calling them, I just see through Snapchat. You know, and you grew up on the beach, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And see, people wouldn't think that you would grow up at the beach because immediately when you say something about being overseas, I think desert. And, and then Saudi you say, <laughs> and then you say, I grew up on the beach. People forget think. that Saudi Arabia is surrounded by water from the right side, by the Arabic Gulf, and the left side, uh, the Ritz. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I grow up 10 minutes away from the Ritz. And I love it. I think it's the most beautiful sea in the world. Mm, did you ever go to the museums there? see the art it's uh, not really really yeah, yeah I, i'm not a museum person i would go in if somebody invites me i'll go i never <laughs> like went out of my way to go to music but yeah. you know i went to lots of music surprisingly i went to lots of museums but not because i choose to it's just like your invitation yeah sometimes that's how it happens you know you invite people to come to the showcases and you invite them to come to the gallery shows because yeah. you never know what you're going to find and sometimes even though you do mechanical engineering it kind of gives your brain a break yeah definitely you know and you see different perspectives of people's um vulnerabilities and the art and depending on what kind of art it is i like art galleries more than museums like uh mm -hmm. like you see these two these three pieces actually like i got them from the actually four pieces I got them from a very small art gallery. Uh, it's called Insomnia, and it's oh, like yeah. a very local. You know, people go and you can buy the stuff for fifteen dollars, fifty dollars. Not she looks not like Medusa. Yeah, she is Medusa. And the other one is Medusa, so it's like I. Oh, that's very cool. And just watch the art. And try Did you just like the art, or was it like Greek mythology? That I love Greek mythology. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm fascinated with it. Yeah. Have no, you gone? Have you visited? 
Greek? No, I, I, I would love to. I would love to at some point. Yeah, you should. My mom's other half is from uh, Mykonos. So he's here six months, and then he's in Mykonos six months. Oh, wow. And they have a uh, bed and breakfast out there. Nice. What does he, he do here? Yeah, he he works for, uh, I believe, Onassis and um, Alpha. I'm going to butcher it, but um, he basically they're the responsible for the big ships that come into the port. Okay. So the twofold, they have a company that stocks the ships with everything they need. Because you know those ships pay like ten to twenty grand to be parked per day. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very expensive. Um, so they make sure the stocks, the ships are stocked with everything that they need for when they go out overseas, and then they also um, repair ships. So, for example, I think like a year ago, like some of the ships broke down in the middle of the China in the sea in China. And so they literally fly people in and will repair the hulls and stuff and get them up and then get them back where they need to be. So they're very much an international company that goes and just makes sure that everyone's safe and sound. They have about a crew of 200 captains that work for them. And uh, when they all come in, the company supplies their housing and their cars. So they're very well taken care of but you know we don't those are the invisible businesses that you see them when you're out by the water you're like oh that's a nice yeah. boat and this is what makes the world run I and mean, like you, mm-hmm. you get it like ship dudes around the world so right but nice. you don't think about the transport of all that and you know it's everything oil and gas yeah. to you know cars to clothes electronics yeah. anything people need so they they're very much always partnering with onassis and nice. out in the oceans so but you know they're water babies all the Greek people love yes. the water, I and he the loves the water in calamari. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, w- I would like to visit. I, w- I love that I've seen that like the the small markets. You walk and you you know people are selling fruits and food and stuff. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The culture, yeah. yeah, and that's the great part. So, what's your favorite thing about American culture? Uh I, I think maybe like just like I don't know if it's a proper. Or like people, I don't know if I can probably say burgers. No, yeah. Um, I think just people like really don't care that much of what you do. Like as long as you're not hurting anybody, you can do whatever you want to do. Like you know, people don't bother you. People don't get into your business. That's, right. That's number one. And second one is like I think diversity. I think, mm. especially like I see it here in Houston. I don't know about other places, but Houston is very, very diverse, and I like that the, the mix between people. And then you don't see that a lot, also, like in, in lots of other countries. Like if you go to, for example, the Scandinavian countries, like uh, Sweden or Norway, it's like you know, it's a more like a white. Uh, and you're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they, they grow up in specific uh, sets of um, education and the culture, so it's like it's hard to, to break into that. But here in the States, I think you can, like, you know, people understand each other more. It's like, you know, because you grow up around, like, different cultures and different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I like about yeah. North America. And different the food. People. I think yeah. you love the food. And, and the food, yes. Houston has, like, lots <laughs> of uh, food uh, options. I wish I had your metabolism so I could eat <laughs> the way that you eat. Because you always try on the food. Yeah. Yes, it's it's good. It's like you, you you find Ethiopian food, you find Egyptian food, you find Italian food, Greek food, uh, any any food you can think of. I mean, 
Well, it's like when you ordered the food from the Blue Nile. Oh, yeah. That you I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So one time we're going to have to go and, like, actually, you're going to have to tell me what to eat because I had no and idea. I think most of them, they have, like, these family platters, which you just order a family plate, which has variety of stuff when everybody just digs in. Yeah. I know what fried chicken is, though. Who's your favorite? Uh, oh, that's a hard one. You like Kentucky Fried Chicken? Do you like um, Turkish Chicken? No. Beyonce has her own favorite chicken called Frenchies. I like two places. Um, do you know Gracie's mm-hmm. on Caribbean? Yeah. They have like delicious fried chicken. If you've never had that fried chicken, try their fried chicken <laughs> and Brussels sprouts. It's, it's, it's pretty delicious. I do like Brussels sprouts. But, you know, I only eat fried chicken. I might have like, and I don't like, like, okay, so when you eat fried chicken, do you have like a big bucket or you, do you get like a few pieces? Uh, I don't do the KFC. I don't like KFC. Uh, <laughs> even like when I was in Saudi Arabia, I, I don't, I don't like KFC. <laughs> Here at Grace's, they sell you like the, the chicken, like, you know, the, the leg, the breast and the wing and the thigh. Right. Just the regular chicken. Okay, so usually I just get like a thigh and a breast, and that's all I'll eat. Like when you have the craving for it, that's like all I'll eat. Yeah. Same thing with pizza. I'll just get like a slice or two and then not order the whole pizza. Another Unless other people around. uh, Himalaya? Because I don't have your metabolism. If I had your metabolism, I would totally order the whole pizza. It's it's good. Like pizza's good. Fried chicken's food is good. I have a friend that's very lean and skinny like you, and she can put down like an entire pizza, and I'm always amazed. I'm like, where does it go? <laughs> like she just burns it like a racehorse. It's it's nice. I I, I always thank God that I I have this feature or this genetics. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I always thank God for it, just because food is good and it's delicious. Yeah, that's so cool. Okay, so tell me. Tell me, like, in terms of art, because I know we're sitting in your collection. Do you like animation? Because I noticed, like, some of your stuff, you've got, like, an animated style in your pieces. Yeah, I, this is my favorite part. My favorite uh, area of art is the animation. Like, you can see, like, these, like, the penguins here or the monkey. I love cartoonish stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I love video games a lot. I'm not a gamer. I like you. To see them, I like to see other people play them. I think about them a lot. I my goal at some point, like maybe to create a video game. I play video games today. Oh really? What did yeah, you with my nephew. We were playing uh, PlayStation, and we were playing the one with all the Marvel. It was it's like every Marvel character. I think so. Okay, yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. I won as Catwoman and as Green Lantern. You got. But then I got man. beaten up by him. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I love Marvel and DC Comics. I'm a huge Marvel and DC Comics fan. Yeah, for, for me, it's like any anything that is animated. It's like it's the reason like I love animations and and video games, like because you can tell a story in a totally different way than a movie or a book, and you can be part of it because the the person can can play mm-hmm. and can make some choices that impact the ending of the story. I was amazed, like when I was looking at the crowd, because I had not played a video game, and I used to go to the arcade when I was growing up all the time and play. I loved Mortal Kombat. I used to oh, play yeah, people. Favorite. I used to bet people when I was in high school. Mortal Kombat, you nice. know, like I would get, I'd come home with a bit of cash, <laughs> but I was very good at it. Yeah. And I had not played video games like that forever, and I was amazed at how good the graphics yeah. had gotten. Oh, do you really? And like, I'm just absolutely amazed. And I'm like, it's only getting better. And I think that in the next like 20 years, you're not going to be able to tell people from animation. 
Oh, I think I think in the next twenty years, it's not going to be like a your your gaming experience is going to be different. I think you will going to be emerged into the game like mm-hmm. with with VR, virtual rea- reality, and other accessories. I think you will be That's in so the cool. future. And I, I don't I don't see it like you no know, in a hundred years or like I say like in the twenty thirty years. Yeah, yeah, it's advancing like yeah. rapidly. Just from I had a friend when I was very young. Um, God, I had to be like in fourth or fifth grade. Her father was the inventor of the very first video game, and I'm gonna get kicked for this because I can't remember the name of it. But there used to be a video game that was a castle, and the damsel in distress was stuck in the castle, mm-hmm. and the knights would have to come save her. And it was done like a cartoon, like the graphics you have today was like how he would draw. He was an amazing artist and he invented and no one like he maybe sold like six of them. I guess the technology at that time. Right. Yeah. But when they bought them they were very expensive because they were yeah. they were full arcade that you'd stand in front of and press the yeah, buttons and yeah. stuff. And then I think, oh God, I wonder if he's still alive. Because if I see the game I know who it is. Yeah. Um but it's amazing and to see just how far because when I was very young I used to have the had the Atari, which yes, was the, yes, yes. the little classic Atari, the disco Atari. Mm-hmm. And then I had the first Nintendo that came with a robot. Nice. And so you didn't play the computer screen. You actually played against a small robot. Yeah. And so it just, it's absolutely phenomenal to me that it's come so far. Yeah. So I'm, you, I, it's it's going to get better and better. So I can play it on the fact that you're going to invent your own video game. Uh, no, it's it's easier to say than them. It's, it's, it's pretty complicated now. Like it's way more advanced now because of the new technologies that we have. And I, I don't have this specific skill. I have the imagination and like, you know, yeah, that's so cool, the though. easy bars, but you gotta gather a team who knows how. I don't know. Maybe, maybe something. If I, I get it. Right. Who's your favorite, like, character? Like, what do you, which, who's your favorite anime? Oh, uh, uh, video games or uh, anime? Either one, both. Anime is like I, I Naruto is my favorite show. Okay. Yeah, Naruto and my favorite character in that show is Kakashi. Okay. And uh, video games, I, I I love lots of video games. Like I love God of War. We talk about like Greek mythology. God of War, it's one of my favorite games, especially like the first three games, the trilogy. Mm. Uh, Kratos killing everybody, even killing Zeus. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been playing this game. It's called Brahala. And it's like a like a Super Smash Brothers game, but it's like you know, it's a, it's a different uh, company who does them, and it's, I I love the mechanics of the game. That's so cool because yeah. it's nice to know that you have a creative outlet. Yeah. That's I try hard. to play it every day. Like I try not to lose the, my my competition uh, soul. Mm-hmm. So I try to play Brahal every day, just try to be better every day. And yeah. I, I played in a tournament whenever I was in Saudi Arabia. I made it to the semifinal, but I lost. Oh, well, all you can do is keep doing it. I yeah. mean, that that's all it is, you know. And it, But it amazes me with the gaming that art has taken on a whole new mm-hmm. level. Yeah. You know, and and you being a mechanical engineer, like you have a love for it and appreciation for it, and I think that's very yeah. The the, the art, the, it, you're right. The art side of the video game industry, that's so big and so beautiful. And the, the better the graphics it gets, the more arts artistic uh, artists need to spend time and more effort and more money. It, it got it got really really big. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's interesting, too, because I was saying, you know, pretty soon you're not going to be able to tell 
the way the graphics are moving real people from graphic people. The only thing I think that they're talented is the movement of people, but it's getting better and better. Yeah, it's it's getting better and better. And I I was laughing. I was like, yeah, the, the challenge will be when the news comes on, you'll be like, is that a real person or yeah. a graphic person? That's true. You know, I don't think Benjamin Franklin ever had that in mind, you know, when he invented the print press. But uh, I find it absolutely fascinating. So tell me, what do you think that we can do as a community um, or the government could do to make the COVID-19 response even better in the future? Is there anything that we could do better? It, it is it is a very hard question because if COVID never happened, like really people didn't think about this. Nobody, nobody thought this is... Like people were talking about, like you have a person like Bill Gates, he always like talking about diseases and stuff like this, but nobody thought it's going to happen this fast, this rapid, this this big coming back. Mm-hmm. So it is harder to think like what would have done if we knew about it. So now we know the impact of COVID nineteen and we know every step. So in a hundred years, if we get hit by something similar as COVID nineteen, yes, we might know how to deal with it. But I don't think we're gonna like have something similar to COVID-19. It's going to be something different, something that we don't know. Because if we know, I don't think there is a question here. It's like, you know, they really like have the procedures. They really have, like, they know how to deal with it. Like, they don't need me to tell them like how to deal with something like that. But I think it's going to be something totally new. Something that's gonna shock everybody else. Like, people have to come together. So my only like thinking and advice when something similar happens, like, first of all, like nobody blames anybody. That's number one. Number two is like get everybody in the room and work together. And number three is like try to have access to the, whatever situation is happening. Like if people need money or people need healthcare, try to have that access to as many people as possible. Uh, You know, you don't want to leave anybody behind. And right. these are my only three advices because I don't know if it's going to be COVID nineteen or the or future, a virus yeah. is going to happen. It might be something else. But if you do these three things, I think if anything happens, mm. so you don't have any hard feelings towards China. No, mm. I'm like they. It can happen anywhere. It's like you know, in the Middle East, we had this virus that comes from camel. So if it did that, that bigger, everybody would hate the people. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, that that other disease that was in the United States that this guy did it through the envelopes and he was sending it. Right, the anthrax. Was it a virus? It was like in the early 2000s or mm. something that he was like sending it through envelopes. Why powder? I think it was anthrax. Yeah, I don't poison. know the name of it. I was in Saudi Arabia. I was a kid and it's like I saw my, my parents watching it. So if that transferred around the world, it would everybody be hating on Americans? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very hard. So I know I don't have that feeling to change. I just feel like we need better like precautions. I mean, we we do so much. You know, scientists look like you know NASA's astronauts when they go into these rooms to study to study these different viruses and bacteria and mutations and everything. You know, because there are deadly diseases out there. And and what it tickled me was that the the center in the laboratory where they were was like 200 feet from a fish market. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so dangerous because it's like you click, click, click out there with your shoes, yeah. you know, or you just go to the fish market. And I'm like, and there you go. Because the very first 
ever um, pandemic in America was through the smallpox vaccine. And what happened was the government had rented, rented calves, so little bitty cows, they rented them. And whenever you do smallpox, whenever they create like the the antibodies for that, they cut the calf, just make small incisions, and they put the smallpox in there. They let it fester and get infected, and then they pull it out and, you know, make make your vaccine from it. And what happened with that is they did, you know, they did the smallpox. They did not know, you know, you're talking like a hundred years ago. This was before the Spanish flu. Okay. And when they did this, um, they made the mistake of sending the cattle back to the ranchers. And so the cattle grew up, the cattle were slaughtered, the meat was sent to market and people ate the meat. And I mean, boom, Yeah. it was all over the place and it was pretty deadly back then. Um, and now when they make these new vaccines are actually, from what I understand, using human test subjects. So they do the incision on the human and then pull the pus from the human incision when it festers and gets infected. And then they start making parts of the vaccine from that. So it's a very different, it's very different because normally it takes 10 to 15 years to do a vaccine. So it's interesting to see, you know, with the mRNA, how it's going to affect people. Because right now, you know, people are the guinea pigs and it's, it's such a test of science and of us, you know, yeah. to see how well some people do really, really well. Yeah. Some people don't believe in the vaccine. Some people do. I, I, I myself like don't know. Like I, I stand in the, in the middle. Yeah. If I, if I need to take it, I'll take it. If I don't need to take it, I'm not going to take it. Because I was like, I'll just dive natural causes. I'm good. Because <laughs> like, since this whole thing started, I just, you know stayed home and doing my things and mm-hmm. going out being safe and, and nothing nothing happened right and that's really good that's yeah. very good and you know it's funny i had a doctor tell me just to take baby aspirin that if you know anyone that takes the vaccine just take baby aspirin like every other day mm-hmm. it's just to prevent blood clotting because a lot of it will clot mm-hmm. and then it breaks off and that's where you get all the different complications with you know the lungs and the brain and all that He's like just take the baby aspirin he's like keep taking it for like a year i was like what he was like, he's like, so he's like, then you just be fine. You'll be fine. You're zinc and you're selenium. I said, okay, I'm good. You know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but it's like, for me, it's like, if I haven't, I haven't been sick since this whole thing started. So it's like, I, I'll take it whenever it's totally safe. Because I think that, like you said, they're, they're like testing stuff. Like they figure out the Johnson Johnson thing that caused spots. So it's like, I, I, I don't know. So. Yeah, and they have I, to I pull it. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So, my name is Lex Lumiere. I am with the United States Department of Arts and Culture as a citizen artist for the 2021 People's State of the Union Poetic Address. I am going to have my Superman engineer over here read his poetic address. Okay, I'm gonna read it now. 100 years ago, I was challenged to write a poetic address for the United States Department of Arts and Culture. Instantly, I had two main ideas in mind, poverty and science. I hope by the time you read this, or you hear this, there is no poverty, borders, lack of healthcare, or access to education. A future where there are opportunities and chances for everyone to live up to their full potential. No more, no fighting, and no families are separated. A home for everyone. 
I hope by the time you read this or hear this, we have people living on Mars. That science has allowed our daily lives to be more advanced than ever. I hope in a hundred years I can visit you. And when I open my eyes to the future, I will see love, peace, and harmony for all. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for sharing and for your time today. Absolutely. It would be very, very interesting to see what people think about hundred years. I'll, sadly enough, I wouldn't be here, but... I don't know. We talked about this. I think you might. <laughs> you know, they might figure out a way to clone you. I, I hope. I hope. I, I want to live forever. I want to see where humans can go. I think you very, very, very... You might wake up a superhero a hundred years from now. You never yeah. know. Now you make me really like uh, sad being able to or hear this message in hand. Well, they plan on colonizing Mars in twenty uh, thirty is I believe when they're starting. NASA is starting to build their whole community. Yeah, but even if, if let's say they started it now, but it's like it's not going to be like with big cities and stuff there. You know, it's just going to be like a small robot small, there right? for some gas or some. You know what I mean? But in a hundred years, maybe you have a vendor there selling you, um, who's... <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You know? It'll be very interesting to see how it turns out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, today. thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Charity Network News with Lex Lumiere. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out online, or please leave a review. Join us again next week. Until then, focus on creating solutions and making a positive impact in the world with your presence. Be kind, volunteer, pay it forward and keep shining your love light.